Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 181 and a half. My name is John Morgan. I am still in Moscow, Russia, where UFC Fight Night 136 Hunt versus Olenek went down last night. I say last night because I'm doing this a little different than normal. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a kind of a rainy, uh, overcast Sunday here in Moscow. Um, worked till about 6 a.m. last night, but uh, the flights left just super early out of here. Um, so I basically booked an extra day so that I would have time to make sure and get all the work done. So just been kind of killing an afternoon day. I slept in a little bit and kind of kind of got my packing done and got ahead uh, so, that, so that I'm in good shape. And then it was time to sit down and do the rope. So no real rush because you know my man Cole Coffee. He's not here with me, but of course he's going to do like he always does. He's going to be the one that puts this all together and gets it uploaded to all the places it needs to go. So he's asleep right now, so I figured, well, no rush in getting everything done. Let's sit down and relax a little bit and uh, soak in the aftermath of UFC Fight Night 136. It was a uh, it was a fantastic event all the way around. Um, you know, as we said going in, it, this, this week was really about the event itself, maybe more so than the fights that were on them. It was about making this debut in the Russian market. And uh, from that perspective, it certainly seemed to be a success for the UFC. 22603 for a $1.84 million gate is what was announced. And uh, you could feel it. You know, the, the UFC officials reported 14,000 in their seats uh, before the first fight, and, and I believe it. You know, I, I, t- I shot a little video of, of the arena. If, if you want to see it, I put it on Twitter and Instagram, and, and that's just what it looked like before the first fight started. And it was busy already. the The stadium was was pretty interesting. So, it it was in a huge stadium. It was in the Olympic Stadium. I mean, it's the Olympic Stadium that was built here in Moscow for the 1980 Olympic Games. Um, so just a, a massive facility that can fit way more than than this. But what the 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 facility does, and what the UFC elected to do, was they'll they'll put up a huge metal wall, basically right down the middle. Um, it's kind of an oval, and it would basically be vertically through the oval is kind of how it works. And so that's why if you look on that video that I posted, you know, it kind of starts out on your left, and you see basically like a flat wall and only a couple rows of seats there. And then as you pan across, you, you see that the, the levels of the seating go way up. So it kind of turns into almost an amphitheater-type setup because that's where the, the real stadium seats are sitting. Now, um, you know, the, 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 the further around you go, it kind of goes back down again. Now, there's people all the way around, but there was one wall where it was just massive. And I, and I tell you what, it, it was crazy, too, because um, the people – were not exactly all restrained to their seating areas. Um, the the fighter entrances, the fighter exits, anywhere there was an exterior kind of a walkway from the floor, people were just crowded up against it. And it made for a pretty cool environment, I'll say. It was very loud, a lot of energy in the building. I think it made for a little bit of a security nightmare for some of our friends on the security department because people just aren't exactly where they're supposed to be. They're, they're, they're kind of roaming about a little bit. Um, but it certainly made for an intense atmosphere. 
the fact that there was so much rush and success on the card, you kind of kept building all the way through. And you did. You got to that big crescendo that, that we talked about. You know, when you go to these local markets and you stack them up with the local names, um, if they can have some success, it really gets the crowd into it. And when you have that many people in their seat from moment one, it felt good, man. It really did. Uh, it was warm inside the building. There's no question about it. Again, built in, in, for the 1980 Olympic Games. So it's it's an old building. Um, my understanding is it is slated to be uh, revamped and refurbished. Um, and there's another arena that's actually literally right next to the host hotel that we're staying at that's um, in the, in the, in the um, construction process right now, which could be a future home um, for the UFC when it comes to visit Moscow again. I believe, if I remember right, I saw signage. It's the home of, of FC Dynamo, uh, which is a, a soccer club here. So there will be other venue options. This venue is historic. It was definitely old. It didn't have amenities. Um, you know, it's just it's it's a bare-bone structure. It's the type of arenas that were built back around that time. Um, it was warm. It was not you know, Fortaleza levels of hot. It was not, you know, Brazilian summer hot in there, um, but it was hot. There's no question about it. Very, very warm, but the crowd was into it and loud, rowdy. You know, they, they'd stomp their feet during moments and you could feel the vibrations because a lot of the stands that were there were kind of these metal uh, stands that had been erected and, and man, you could, you could, you could feel it. So um, it was a very, very cool environment. I feel very fortunate that I got to experience it. Um, you know, long-term, what the market holds, the UFC is excited about it. They believe there's good things ahead for them in the market. Um, you know, there, there are definitely hurdles. Um, it, it was a stressful week for UFC officials behind the scenes. I don't think fans really felt it. I think they all came together and put together a fantastic card. Um, but there were headaches and logistical nightmares um, surrounding this event. There's no question about it. So, you know, that's one of the reasons they, they did comp, uh, partner with M1 Global and, and have some local ties is, is to help them kind of just navigate um, through the waters of, of what's going to continue to be, you know, probably probably challenging uh, times for them. But, you know, as, as we said in the, in the uh, show earlier this week, they've set up an office out here. They've hired a, a vice president to, to oversee this market. The UFC really sees this as a big market. Probably do, you know, two events a year, which is not a ton. Um, but it's still big. You know, you got two big events a year. Um, and again, you're going to continue to find fighters, man. The Russian fighters, I think they were the, the so on display here. Um, a lot of them admitted they're having visa problems and things like that. And they'd love to come to the States to train. They'd love to come to the States to fight. But visa issues are, are kind of an issue. Of course, Maribek Tysmov, one of the, the, the chief concerns among them, but a couple of guys mentioned that. But uh, I think the Russian talent is just going to continue to come into the UFC, and uh, I think we saw a lot of it on display. Maybe not the easiest names to say or remember all the time, but you better get to it because <laughs> they're fantastic. The main event, of course, was Mark Hunt versus Alexi Olnik. I thought Hunt was going to knock him out. I really did. Um, going in, I, I felt that, uh, you know, he's he's the better striker, no question about it. And it's funny. You watch Alexi Olenek just walking around the ho hotel, much less, you know, trying to work out or get on a weigh-in scale or whatever it may be. And he just looks – he looks old, damn it. <laughs> he looks old and like a man who's been through, uh, you know, 70 MMA fights in his career. He's just old and – 
And, and But damn it, man, is he so good at submissions. If he gets you in those positions, can he take advantage of it? Uh, everybody, the American top team, just talks about how strong the guy is. And, uh, man, he showed it. You know, I, th- I thought Mark Hunt was fighting a, a decent fight to start out with, no question about it. I thought, you know, chopping the legs was a good idea. Again, here's a guy that's not that mobile to begin with, but what's he going to try to do? He's going to try to take you to the floor. Well, if he can't advance and he can't grab you, he can't get you to the floor. So I thought it was smart. Mark Hunt was chopping away at the leg, landed a big right hand as well, landed a big right hand. Alexi kind of took a step back, and it, it looked like he was blinking his eyes a little bit to, to try to you know, make sure everything was okay. And then he got the fight to the floor and was able to get to the back and was able to get the rear naked choke. And, you know, the, the takedowns are going to happen. I guess you could say it's one mistake. I mean, it's one opportunity. I did think that Mark made a mistake by not continuing to battle the hands. Um, I, I think, you know, and maybe that was part of the strategy of Alexi coming in, just saying, ah, this guy doesn't have a neck. I can't choke him out. You know, maybe it was a little bit of mental warfare there because, you know, at one point I think Mark was just going for broke and getting up. And not that this is some new technique for him. It's it's kind of the way he does it. But, man, against Alexi Olenek, who has shown the ability to choke just about anyone and, and, and seemingly to choke them from any angle, I just don't know that you can take those risks. And I think that was a, a tactical error on Mark Hunt's part. Um, whether it was calculated or not, I don't know, but it was a mistake. And, and basically when he went to bridge and, and you know, get his hands to the mat and push himself up, uh, Alexi since that opening got the choke in, and, and that was that. He's not going to give it up after that. So uh, a big win for Alexi Olenek, who, again, just seems to continue to defy the odds, but is, is you know, now – you know, had some had some big wins uh, under under uh, his belt, and you know seems to be moving up the ranks a little bit. This was a big fight for him. There's no doubt about it. And now he's going to be looking for another big fight uh, at this. And, and man, that, that career record is so incredible. You know, he's nearing 60 wins. It's just amazing. Um, I will say that uh, Alexi's entire uh, post-fight press conference was in Russian. Now they did translate it all. But they had to translate the questions and the answers uh, because it was entirely in Russian. Uh, there was only a couple of English speakers back there covering it, uh, the the event, and I, I was one of them. But I'll be honest, I was so behind at that point. You know, we were on this fight pass pacing, which is great for fans watching on TV. It's not so great for us in the back when we're trying to get all these videos processed and everything posted. Add to that, we had some fantastic guest fighter appearances, which we will certainly be talking about as well. So I was trying to get all those done as well. And uh, the Arena Wi-Fi was was decent, but not great. But it was way better than the Wi-Fi uh, that I have here at the hotel. So I, I knew I needed to get as much posted as I could there uh, because coming back here was going to take forever. And that's one of the reasons why. I was up until 6 a.m. this morning getting everything posted on the internet. So please go to MMA Junkie and check out that content. Or uh, you can actually go to the YouTube channel as well. We've got it all there. Because I was working really hard on it. So anyway, even though Alexi Olenek won and uh, certainly deserves the attention and to celebrate what he accomplished, you would literally just be hearing a woman speaking English asking and answering her own questions as she translated everything. And that just didn't sound very interesting to me in terms of audio. So what I will do instead is let you hear a little bit of Mark Hunt, who did come in afterwards. I will say I'm not one for, um, I don't know, I'm not one for clapping in the media room. I don't, I, you know, I've said I think the one exception is uh, when guys retire 
uh, and they come back there and they give their final speech. I mean, a little a little clap or something as they're saying they're done, or I think is a, is a nice show of, of respect and appreciation um, between you know people who have worked together. It's like seeing a colleague move along. Yes, we're not peers with fighters, but we, we definitely work alongside them. So. Um, you know, kind of sending them off with a, with a nice warm reception, I think is good. Um, but I will say this, the, the Russian media, uh, clapped when Mark Hunt came in and I don't know, something about it seemed okay to me for some reason. I mean, this is a new market and, um, Mark is nearing the end of his career, but he, he is, he is a legend in combat sports. Um, and he was fighting in Russia for the very first time. And despite losing, you know, he put on a good show and did come in and, and speak to the media afterwards. So I don't know. I, I thought it was nice. It was kind of comforting for Mark, who I'm sure was, was a little frustrated at the time. You know, everything that he's gone through, he's, he's admitted this this lawsuit stuff is not uh, his cup of tea, man. He, he even said that earlier this week, and I never really wanted to do the lawsuit against the UFC, but, um, you know, there's things I need accomplished, and this is the way I was told to get it done. So um, I don't know. There was something about it that was nice. But Mark Hunt... You can hear what he had to say. He uh, kind of lays out his plan for what's next. Uh, one fight left. He'd like to do it in Australia. And um, then after that, UFC career may be over, or perhaps he'll find a way to carry on. But it, it seems completely up in the air right now. Марк, добрый вечер. Алексей Рукотов, аргументы и факты. Вы два дня назад очень много общались с прессой, а сегодня в ринге были несколько минут. Столько лететь из Австралии и провести в ринге две минуты. Что случилось? Hi, Mark. Sorry. Hi, Mark. Um, you, it took you really long time to get there. You spent so many times on the plane and so little minutes in the octagon. How do you feel? Was it hard to, to make such a journey? No, 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 I felt great. I just got caught in the first round, you know. Um, congratulations to Alexei. He did a good job. <laughs> Алексей Олейник в интервью говорил, что он, скорее всего, не будет пытаться сделать вам удушающий прием, потому что у вас такая короткая шея, что сделать это практически нереально. Вы готовились к тому, что он все равно будет пытаться вас задушить, или вы действительно всерьез восприняли тогда те его слова? Алексей Олейник сказал Yeah, I trained um, a lot of stuff for the ground and stuff. Yeah, of course. But, uh, you know, got caught uh, with a sub. Just the way it works with this business, so... Mark, было заметно, что у вас пластырь на руке. С чем это связано, и не было ли у вас какой-то инфекции? I've noticed that you have a band-aid on, band on your hand. Um, what is related to what it happened? Did you cut, or did you have any infection? Uh, I think it was an ingrown hair that I was trying to dig out. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> you shouldn't dig out ingrown hairs, that's also. I like, to, I like to pick stuff from my body, so, you know, I, I just, it's not good. Было видно во время боя, что Алексея Олейника после лоу-киков Марка отекла нога. Почему он перестал бить, собственно, лоу-кики? Мне кажется, что это могло привести к очень положительному для него результату. It's been obvious that after some time Олейник had troubles with his leg and he stopped to he stopped to do his low kicks. However, it could let him to it could lead him to really good results. It could help. Sorry, my mistake, my bad. Uh, it, 
So it seems like it helped you a lot that he stopped doing lookout. Uh, okay, no, it, it didn't help me because I lost. So. Mark, you have the last fight in UFC contract. What will yeah. be next for you? Uh, fighting with other promotions, finishing career, or continuing UFC? I don't know. You know, I, I, um, I mean, I love working for the UFC, um, but you know, we have issues. But yeah, I've got one more fight left, and hopefully, I'm, I'm trying to get on the on the Adelaide card. You know, with Ty and the boys. So you know, um, you know, one last hurrah for the old guy. So yeah. <laughs> It's gonna be a good, good fight, good last fight, huh? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, Mark. Um, hello. How you doing? Uh, did did something? Uh, did something? Uh, did everything went wrong just from the very beginning of the fight, or it started okay and then something has broken? No, nothing's broken. I'm fine. I just um, I got caught. You know, Alexi caught me. You know, even though I was hobbling around, <laughs> he caught me on the ground and, um, you know, the choke uh, was on. So, yeah, it's just the way this business works. It's uh, the best in the world. And, um, you know, he caught me and um, he, tried to, he, he tried to strangle the life out of me. So, yeah, that's what happens. It's uh, the business. So. Mark, are you in Moscow or not is that your first time in Moscow and did you did you get a chance to, to walk around the city to take a look? Yeah. I love your country. Moscow is really nice. it's not what I expected, but um yeah. Moscow is a great country. It's nice here. It's really nice. There's a shitload of hot women and been, the food's really good too, so nice place. Um, I'm married anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> My name is hey, Dennis. How you doing? Uh, you had some words for Verdum on your social media. Is that something you're planning to build up, like a fight, probably, with him? Yeah, no, not really. You know, I've, I I don't like to try and fight with guys that are cheating. You know, I have a, a lawsuit already going on. It's been a hard road to try and deal with that, especially being employed. Um, I don't think it's fair, and, and he, um, I mean, good job he got caught. These guys are stealing from us, you know, from the guys that don't cheat. He's stealing from my kids and stuff, so, you know, good job he got caught. He's a piece of shit anyway, so. And one more question about tonight's fight. Uh, it, it did look like you had a success fighting on your feet, and everything just went wrong at the point when you got to the ground. Was that the case? I just got caught, man, you know, um, just got caught. This is the business and, um, you know, congratulations to Alexi. He's a nice guy. He deserves the win. He got me and, um, you know, good luck, good luck to him as he moves up in the, in the division. Yeah. So you can confirm that his ground game is some next level stuff? Oh, it was better than mine, surely, of course. He saw that. <laughs> he called me and that's just the way it works, you know. This is, um, you know, I could have caught him with anything. But I didn't, so he caught me. So that's just the way this business works. Здравствуйте, меня зовут Вадим Тихомиров, матч ТВ.ру. Все, кто проигрывали Федору Емельяненко, хотели взять реванш у Федора Емельяненко. Было бы вам интересно по завершении карьеры подписать контракт с Белатор и провести бой с Федором Емельяненко. Спасибо. Okay, everybody who who had lost to Fyodor Yemelyanenko wanted to, you know, make amends and and perform, <laughs> take the revenge, take it back. So, do you have any plans, or have you ever had a thought of signing with Bellator and and fighting him? 
Um, well, look, I, I um, you know, I've got a, a few more fights left in my career. I've been fighting a long time. You know, I have respect for my fighter, especially Fedor. He's, he's a great fighter. He beat me in pride. Of course, you want to get that that uh, that rematch, of course. Um, but you know, I got one more fight here with UFC, and um, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I've been I've been punching on for a long time. You know, for a long, long time. <laughs> even not even outside the octagon, sorry. <laughs> Здравствуйте. Скажите, пожалуйста, на кого вы поставите в поединке Конор, Хабиб и почему? Окей, who your stakes are at? I don't know. McGregor. I don't know. I have to sit on the fence for that one. It's a, it's a hard one. If it's early, maybe Conor. Um, if it goes five rounds, Habib for sure. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence for, for that fight. Thank you. Thank you. All right, there you have it. The Super Samoan Mark Hunt. Coming up short in the main event, Alexi Olenek picking up a big win. And we'll certainly be looking for a big fight next time out. Another man looking for a big fight next time out. Jan Blahovich picked up the submission win over Nikita Krylov. Uh, impressive performance here from Blahovich. Um, listen, I'll be honest with you. But maybe I had just written off Blahovich too too soon uh, in his career. You know, he had a couple losses, and I thought, man, I... I say a couple. I mean, he went, had a one-four stretch, you know. And just to me, I thought, you know what? I, I just don't know if this guy can do it against the very best in the UFC. Yes, he's dangerous, um, but I, I don't know that he can get it done against the very best. And now he's doing it because I, I was high on Nikita Krylov coming into this fight. I hated to see that he went away. Uh, was happy to have him back in the UFC. And you know, not that Nikita fought bad here, but I, I think Blavich just showed himself as the better fighter. Um, and, and uh, you know, I thought if anybody was winning by submission, it would probably be Krilov. Uh, but no, uh, you know, here he was, Blahovich with, with what I thought was a fantastic performance. And, and even better than his performance in the cage, he's getting better at handling the mic. He's getting better at saying what he wants. You know, he's a pretty – seems to be by nature a pretty calm, reserved guy. You know, doesn't – when you interview him, uh, he doesn't have a, a, a ton to say. He's, I don't think he likes to just – you know, not that he's shy, but I just think he's kind of a quiet, kind of a reserved guy. But, you know, immediately after he picks up the win here, you know, starts making the, the, the title belt gesture around around the waist and uh, and then gets on the mic and doesn't even let Dan Hardy ask him a question. He says, hey, let me say something instead. And, and, he, and he challenges DC and uh, then says, if DC can't go, let's, let's go with Gustafson. And I think that's smart. And I think it's fair, too. Um... You know, Daniel Cormier is is the champ champ right now, and, and you know, good for him, man. I, we talked about that before. What an amazing accomplishment. Um, and, 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 gosh, the, the you know, the win over Stipe was so impressive. But, you know, he's basically already said, look, I'm fighting Brock Lesnar. He's, you know, don't take away my, my green panty night, I believe, as he referred to it. Um, but if you're holding two titles and you're saying you basically got one fight left and then you're done, and I know he's teased out, you know, potentially fighting a light heavyweight, but you know we haven't heard those plans yet, and you know the the rumors around John Jones um, have all centered around John Jones coming back and fighting Alexander Gustafson, which would be uh, you know a rematch that a lot of people would want to see. Of course, uh, they had, you know they had a fantastic fight in Toronto all those years ago. And I just I haven't heard any rumors of DC in in a light heavyweight fight. None that none it's been discussed, but none that 
sounded to me like they were close to being done. Now, I may be wrong, and maybe I just haven't heard it, and maybe you know that this press conference next week up in New York, uh, which Coke Coffee will be at, by the way, uh, you know, maybe something gets announced there. But I don't know. I think it's right uh, for Blahovich to kind of say, "Hey, do something with that belt, man." Either you know, if you're not going to defend it, then give it up and let me and Gustafson fight for it. I don't. I don't think that's a horrible idea. Um, there are a couple big fights lined up at light heavyweight right now. You know, in fact, going in, it was it was actually a little bit ironically, it was Nikita Krilov who was saying, "Hey, listen, the winner of this fight is in a really nice position because, uh, yes, you know, you, you you've got Volkan Ozdemir uh, versus Anthony Smith coming up. That's 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 that, that's definitely a big fight. You know, um, you, you've got a couple other ones in there as well that that." would have a chance. I mean, Iller Latifi versus Corey Anderson is a big fight. Those guys have both been saying, hey, show me some respect as well. Uh, Jimmy Mano was in action again. Of course, he's fighting uh, Maheto who's coming up. Away. I mean, there's a couple big fights that, that can help sort things out. You got Gustafson out there just kind of waiting. He, he would seem to be the guy. It sounds like John Jones' return is imminent. Um, it really does. And, of course, we saw the picture of uh, Malki Kawa and John Jones out at the UFC uh, headquarters in Las Vegas to get business done. It seems like the announcement from USADA is imminent. Um, but is is it too soon for Madison Square Garden? I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, uh, Blahovich certainly factors into all that. I'm not saying that he deserves a, a title shot right away, but good for him for speaking out. And um, he, he certainly deserves a, a big, big fight. This was an impressive win. Um, probably not a, a fight a lot of people were just itching to take, and uh, and he gets it done in, in uh, pretty impressive fashion via submission. Shabil Abdurakimov was able to pull off a unanimous decision win over Andre Arlovski. Um Not the most exciting fight on the card, no question about it. Um, Abdurakimov now has a couple wins together. Uh, you know, He's he's a tough guy and and uh, he wants bigger fights. He said, "Listen, I I, I want to fight some ranked fighters. I deserve it. You know, this was a big win for me." Um, meanwhile, Andre Arlovski comes up short for the second time. But I will say, uh, you know, the concerns that we had about Andre and and man, there was a time it just didn't seem like he could take a, a punch anymore. Those seem to be have kind of alleviated, right? I mean it. You know he's not getting the results that he wants. So you can say what you will you want about the fight with Tai Tuivasa. I know he believes that he, that he won that fight, um, but at least you know I don't feel afraid of sending him out there anymore. Uh, and there was a time where I was almost nervous every time somebody threw a punch at Andre Laskin. I don't feel that way anymore. Um, so uh, you know again, not the most exciting fight on the card, but uh, Shamil Abdurakimov. It seems to be growing a little bit as a fighter, you know. Maybe, maybe somebody we we need to keep an eye on. He's certainly not an easy out. Uh, somebody you definitely need to keep an eye on is Alexi Kunchenko. Made his UFC debut undefeated. Now he's not a young guy, uh, so it's it's not like this is a guy with you know ten years uh, of time ahead of him. But Alexi Kunchenko is is definitely a dangerous fighter. Uh, picked up a decision win over Tiago Alves in, in a fun fight. Uh, we knew it was going to be a striking affair, and, and kudos for Tiago Alves for for taking this fight. You know, I mean, this is a fight where I, I wouldn't say he had little to gain. I mean, at this point in his career, he needs to pick up wins. But you know, who wants to travel to to Russia to face the undefeated Russian newcomer? Uh, there's not many people probably with their hand in the air for that either. So kudos to Tiago Alves. Uh, 
Tiago, another guy that you know has been around forever, um, and it's it's hard to see him not getting the results he wants because mentally he seems to be in a better place than he ever has been, but he's just not picking up the wins right now. So um, he's in a tough spot, man. He's in a, he's in a tough spot. I feel like his reputation has earned him a little bit of a uh, a little bit longer leash than most. Similar to Andre Alaska. I mean, these are two guys that have been around for a long time, that have big followings, that are perfect for cards like this. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens as the, as the UFC moves forward in Russia. And it's the same that we see in every international market. You know, you load the card up with the local guys the first time you come in. Definitely, right? Because you want to give everybody something to cheer about. Uh, you, you know, they, they root on their own and, and get behind them and nationalistic pride and all that stuff, right? But then when you keep coming back and you keep, putting the same fighters on there fans get upset they say come on man I've, I've seen these guys fight you know here it would be saying I, I, this is just an m1 global fight card for me you know much the same way europeans say oh this is a cage warriors cards or you know brazil they'll say oh this is a chuto brazil card you know they've seen all these fighters so you know bringing an andre Arlovski to town bringing a tiago Alves to town a, a guy that you know, people have been watching for years on TV. It's it's not a bad spot to be in. It's not a bad spot to be in. Those guys can keep fighting and making a living. Uh, and and again, I'm not trying to throw them to the side. I know they're both in, in believe that they have productive years ahead. But um, you know, that's a good spot to be in is is to kind of hit the road and and be that UFC star that that people get to see. The prelims, Khalid Martazaliev. And C.B. Dalloway. <sighs> Herb Dean is a good referee, but I do believe this was uh, this was not his best night because of this decision. Now, I went back and watched it again, and I remember thinking, watching it the first time too, that those punches that Merzliev was throwing at the end were really all hitting the arms. I mean. And, and and I can understand from Herb's perspective that you don't want to stop a fight that's just punching the arms. I mean, there's not really any concussive blows being delivered there. I mean, it's some. I mean, even the, the, the force is going through the arms a little bit, so it's not like it's nothing. Um, but in some ways, Dalloway was protecting himself. But I got to say, you know, the last 20 seconds or so maybe, I mean, he was just prone on his belly with his hands over his face I mean that to me was the body language of somebody who was done you know uh I thought CB was fighting a decent fight you know not that it was all going his way but I, I thought he was fighting okay and then with about 90 seconds left in that second round uh you, you know it looked like he started to slow a little bit he took a knee um that I thought kind of hurt him a little bit and then uh you know Khalid did what he did what he had to do um and the and, and CB, I just, I just, I think he was done. I mean, you can see his body language after the round ended. He, he said right away to his coaches, "I'm done, I'm done, I'm done." Um, and I think they were trying to get him to rally a little bit. And then, and then Herb Dean came in and said, "Listen, if you don't get up, I'm gonna have to call off this fight." He didn't make any effort to move whatsoever. I mean, nobody wants to. And I've seen people say, and, and you're right. Hey, CB Dalloway has a right to tap out the strikes. If he wants to, he could have easily tapped out and said, "Get me out of here." Rightly or wrongly, I think that's almost viewed as cowardly. Um, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, I don't think people like 
I think people's characters get questioned when they tap out due to strikes. I think CB was trusting on Herb to get him out of there. I think his body language, you know, not trying to recover any positions with his legs, basically just just curling up in a ball and, and covering up. Um, that to me is the sign of a fighter that's uh, that, that's done and that wants to be out of there. And he was relying on Herb to do so. At the same time, I think Herb wants to give him, you know, every opportunity to battle back. And as I said, those 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 last punches were all just hitting the arm. So. I think I understand what what uh, what Herb was looking at, but I, I think this fight really should have been stopped earlier. Um, you know, you look at the cards in that round: uh, two ten eights and a ten seven uh, from Ben Cartledge, who's a, who's a judge that uh, I respect his opinion. And uh, yeah, for him to offer a ten seven, that kind of tells you what kind of round it was. So um, rough night. I will say I did. Um, I got. Like I said, I got done working at 6 a.m. this morning. The the breakfast was just getting started here, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna get a little quick little little bite to eat before I go to sleep. And uh, CB was there right away. He looked fine. He was doing okay. I didn't go talk to him. Uh, you know, he was with his camp or whatever. I didn't want to bother him, but he looked to be in good spirits and, and he looked to be healthy. So, um, but yeah, that was that was that was not fun to watch. What was fun to watch was Peter Yan versus Jin Su Sun. What a hell of a fight this was, uh, rightly given as the fight of the night. Although, <laughs> let's just get into this. Rightly given as the fight of the night, however, Jinsu Sun missed weight by one pound and therefore was not eligible for the bonus. Now, in some situations, the UFC has given the winner another 50 Gs, uh, given him 100. In other situations, they've taken that 50 and given away an, another performance bonus. That's what they did here. They gave away uh, another performance bonus instead and ended up doing three performance bonuses. Um, and I think that's fine. I, you know, Listen, they've made it clear in this weight cutting that they, they, you got to make weight. So I don't necessarily hold them against it. It's just in all these situations, and it's, oh, man, <laughs> I know maybe it's beating a dead horse, but it's just consistency. And I think that is the stuff that just goes to show why these fighters need to find some way to come together um, to at least have some voting power or some discussion. I mean, just I would just like to see consistent rules application from the UFC. That's all. Just consistent rules application. Um, it, you know, I don't think they're unfair about stuff, but when you just don't know and you're waiting on somebody, well, we decide this, we'll decide that. That's a tough spot to be in. You know, we should know. Oh, okay, well, he missed weight. Well, damn, that was the fight of the night. Well, we know right now he just got 100 grand. Hell, maybe that would make maybe that would make guys fight more against people that missed weight or fight harder or, you know, if they knew, like, hey, man, you can take this fight against this overweight opponent. Um, it sucks, you know, but you are getting, you know, 20% or, uh, you know, more of his purse. And check this out. If you guys get the fight of the night, you get 100 grand. I don't know. Maybe that would be good. Maybe that'd be good. Um, I don't know. I just, I just wish it was consistent so that we knew, and it didn't, it didn't seem like, oh, was somebody playing favorites, or why did this happen this time? And, and it's like, well, we just decided that, you know. Uh, but enough about that. Peter Yan, both these guys to me, stock rose uh, in my book. You know, Peter was a huge favorite on the card, so I think in some ways, you know, you could easily say, well, I'm disappointed. I expect him to get things done quicker, but. No, to show that he can be in a battle like that, um, man, it was fun, and he fought well. I thought he had a great fight. And Jinsu Sun, who came in on short notice, uh, showed a ton of character as well. I mean, not only toughness, but just entertainment value. It was fun to watch fight, man. He was he was a showman in there. 
man, you could hear the Korean zombie yelling from the corner. Uh, that, that was that was a good good uh, good squad there, man. You know, I think Peter Yan showed what he's all about, but uh, Son showed that he's somebody we need to keep an eye on in the future as well. So um, just a, just a fun scrap all the way around. I, I really enjoyed it. If you didn't get to watch in this card. Um, at least pull that one up and watch that fight because you you will uh, you will definitely enjoy it. Uh, Rustam Habilov defeated Cajun Johnson. Now, a little bit of controversy here. Um, it's pretty clear, I think, to anybody watching the fight that round one goes to Cajun Johnson, round two goes to Rustam Habilov. So then it comes down to round three. I think that's where the fight is decided. And I gotta say, I. I feel like Agent Johnson won the fight. I really do. And and I don't mean that to demean Rustam Habilov because uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he is as dangerous as anybody in the division. Um, also, sp- speaks incredibly good English, which I seem to always forget and, uh, and and be surprised by when he does. But, um, you know, so he's a, so he's a good interview. Uh, he's, a, he's a good fighter. He's, you know, he's... Uh, great grappling, but Cajun was able to neutralize a lot of that. Cajun striking looked good, um, and and yes, Haviloff got that late takedown in the third round, and I think finishing on top, you know, definitely swayed the judges. Um, and again, Ben Cartledge, who's a, again an official that I respect a lot. You know, I've had discussions with him about the theory of officiating, about um, you know actual officiating techniques and what to look for, and uh, when you when you're judging a fight and that sort of thing. So I mean, I, I respect his opinion, and he leaned towards towards Habilov. Um So when I see that, it makes me think, eh, well, maybe I maybe I'm not looking at it right. Maybe I watched the wrong thing. But I, I gotta say, in watching this, I think. I, I had the fight scored for for Cajun Johnson, so um, tough for him, man. And um, boy, it was you know watching the broadcast because you know, I was in the back for most of the night in the press room where we were doing interviews and uh, watching the broadcast when he's you know the energy that he, Cajun was trying to put out there is like I'm, I, I think he was saying uh, I am victorious, I am victorious, like over and over, um, and then and then to not get the nod your way kind of sucks. And of course. You know, the real question is now, what does the UFC do with Cajun Johnson? Behind the scenes, I mean, people can only say so much, especially with all the the labor stuff that that, that Cajun is is leading. But behind the scenes, I haven't sensed any real hatred. Like, oh, my God, we got to get rid of this guy. Cannot wait. You know, we joked on the preview show. Uh, the the matchmaking that he has received certainly hasn't seen by accident. You know he's he's facing stylistically tough people, but he's also just a very deep division. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the UFC does with them because, you know, on the one hand they they could say, man, you're trying to lead these labor things like oh, we're done, out, peace. Um, and they're within their right to do it. They they can't do it because of that, but because Cajun lost, they can easily say, well, your contract's up and and we're done with you. Um, you know, you're not allowed to terminate somebody's employment because they're trying to unionize or whatever. But um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I think they should keep him around. To be honest, I think he keeps getting better and better. I, I really do. I, I think he keeps improving as a fighter. Um, and I think that the, 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 you know, unionization efforts, the organization efforts that he's leading don't seem to be with a ton of malice. And they don't seem to be with – you know, just being ornery and being difficult. They seem to be about getting progress and getting everybody on the same page. And so I, I think, therefore, the USC should, you know, at, at least respect that to a degree. Um, 
I think he deserves an opportunity to stick around. So we'll see what they decide. Uh, Maribek Tysimov picked up a, a win over Desmond Green. Um, Tysimov, you know, he's on a six-fight winning streak now. That's impressive. Of course, he missed weight big time. I will say kudos to Desmond Green, not only for, one, taking the fight, but two, um, getting 40%. You know, good good for him, man. And I would say that's a lesson to fighters. You know, that 20% uh, missed weight penalty isn't standard in most places. It's not written into law anywhere or policy anywhere. So you can ask for more, and, and I think you should. Now, you know, if it's a pound or half pound, you know, take your 20% and do what you got to do. But, you know, somebody comes in four or five pounds over, yeah, ask for a little bit more. Uh, Green, you know, still don't know all the details of everything that happened to him leading into this fight. Of course, he was involved in that automobile accident, which ended up leading to the death of, of two of the people that were involved in it. Um, but I got to think his, his preparation was certainly marred by this. Um, still, he grinded out with Tysimov, who's been dangerous, just knocking people out left and right. This one goes all the way to a decision. Um, but that's okay. I think Tysimov, you know, he said he was sick, and he said he had that, that, that had a, a lot to do with his weight issues. He said he knew he wasn't going to make weight. Didn't have injuries, but it was some kind of illness. Um, the thing that was bothersome afterwards, and I'd heard this before, but it was the first time I had heard him say it, is that um, if he doesn't get this visa so he can travel elsewhere and you know fight in the United States and fight in the biggest fights you know on the pay-per-views and, and get those opportunities, that he's going to be done. He's, he's just going to have to call it a career. He's like, listen, I, I don't want anything but to be UFC champion. He's like, I, I have other things going on in life. You know, he's like, I have some social projects I do. I have other businesses. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to do this for money. I do it because I want to become a UFC champion. And that's the only thing I want out of the sport is to be a UFC champion. And if I don't have that opportunity – which, let's be honest, you're not going to have that opportunity if you're only able to fight in, in Europe and in Russia. I mean, yes, uh, you know, the the guys at the highest level may only fight twice a year, so he could fulfill that just fighting twice a year in Russia if he wanted. But that's that's not how you get the big fights. You know, that's not how you get the big fights. So, troubling. You know, I did ask Dave Shaw afterwards in the post-fight press conference, hey, do you think there's anything you can do to help facilitate these, these visa situations? Um, and, and he said, listen, we, we, I promise we do the best we can, but some of it's out of our control. And I mean, yeah, you, the government's the one that ultimately issues the visa. So, they, you know, they can only do so much. Um, but I, it would be just a damn shame for Maribek Tysimov to walk away just because he can't get a visa. Magomed and Kaliyev picked up a knockout win over Marcin Pragnio. And, and how scary is Magomed and Kaliyev? Man, you know, had a chance to stand next to him a, a couple times this week. And he is a big dude and uh, dangerous, powerful man. You know, he, he that loss to Paul Craig. You know, remember that one? The, the the one second left after he was dominating the whole time, and he gets submitted. I mean, Paul Craig, that incredible come. I mean, that's that'll be the highlight of his life, man. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal feat to 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 get beat for that long, but to never give up and, and to, to score a submission in the final second was amazing. Um, but Ankalaev showed what he is capable of doing in this fight, the big knockout, you know, rocked him with a punch, uh, threw a big kick as well that was partially blocked but still knocked him down, and then big shots on the ground. And uh, just somebody to definitely 
keep your eye on. Uh, it was interesting backstage. He was asked if he'd be interested in finding Paul Craig again to kind of rematch that and get rid of that blemish. And um, I thought it was kind of telling of, of what he thinks. He was just like, nah, <laughs> what do I need that for? You know what I mean? Like I, I was beating the guy for 14 minutes and 58 seconds, and he beat me for one second, um, and he gets the result. But, you know, I, I mean, of course, down the line it might make sense, but – I, I thought that was kind of interesting to him. He's just like, it, pff, come on, man. I, I don't need that. Another impressive performance, Jordan Johnson getting the submission win over Adam Yandiv, who uh, was, was a dangerous-looking fella, no question about it. But Jordan Johnson, you know, first of all, moving down to the middleweight division, he looked very, very impressive. Um, this was a big finish for him, and not only just because it was a big win, kept him uh, perfect. He's 10-0 in his career, 4-0 in the UFC, but – it was the last fight of his UFC deal. And he said, look, I rolled the dice. Uh, I bet on myself, and I, I and I think it should pay off. You know, I think this was an impressive win. Um, he, uh, I mean, just incredibly relentless with his aggression, with his wrestling, no question about it. Um, fun stuff there to, to, to watch. And, and fun stuff afterwards uh, because he basically came and, and, like, apologized for, you know, the way he's – kind of behaved in the past where he's won a fight and kind of, ah, I'm not happy, I'm not this, I'm not that. He's like, yeah, you know what, today I'm going to be happy. I'm going to enjoy this. I need to enjoy the result. You know, he even said I, I, uh, you know, I took a moment. You know, I jumped up on the cage and I didn't really celebrate crazy. He's like, but I just wanted to take a moment and soak it in. If you watch the, the broadcast, you can see that. He's just kind of calmly sitting up there and observing, looking around. He's like, I wanted to soak it in. So, um, you know, credit to Andy for, for for surviving early, man. The, the choke that was in the first round looked like it was going to end it. Um, he battled through it, but ultimately uh, succumbed to a choke later on in the second round. This was just a, a great performance from Jordan Johnson. And, uh, you know, look, one of the only foreigners to come into uh, to Russia on this evening and pick up a win. So uh, because of that, and because he was one of the few that could speak without a translator, uh, let's hear from Jordan Johnson because I think his story is pretty interesting. Obviously uh, a very big win in a, in a pretty special environment here in a big event. What's, uh, what's the emotion like for you right now? Uh, I don't know. You know, I'll start happy. And, you know, I always plan on winning. I'm very happy. You know, it's fought out my contracts. Maybe my last fight here. I don't plan on it being. I'd like to resign. I just like a little bit more money. Um, I know in some of these interviews I've done, you're a familiar face. So you guys are new. Sometimes I'm a little grumpy, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna enjoy it. So I really enjoy this whole experience. So conscious decision on your part to come in on the last fight. I mean, was there was there a deal offered and you said let's yeah. let's ride it out and see what happens? Yeah, I just I know I'm a little worth a little bit more, and you know I laid a nice bet on myself and wanted to come out and show. You know I haven't I'm a, I am a finisher. I got to the UFC and you know I had a real dominant first performance, and then you know I didn't perform the way I wanted to in my last two outings. Uh, you know I found out I was having my first child right before Marcel. And so my mind was just elsewhere, and then I really wanted to get a fight booked for my last one. And the timing didn't work out. I made offers to fight all kinds of people, all kinds of weight classes, really just anything. And it got pushed to uh, very close to the birth of my child. So I had some other stuff on my mind. You know, when your wife goes into emergency C-section and you have your first child and you got to leave uh, a couple days later to go fight, sometimes it's hard to get the best performance. But, uh, you know, then I was still confident and went out and got W. But, um, yeah, you know, so I, I decided to show my worth. And I knew I'm back to my old ways and I got a great team back at Power MMA with 
absolute monsters and I got the best coaching staff in the world and now it's easy. I just show up. And like I said, I knew I'd do great. I made that bet on myself and I did come out and I did great. I got a finish. So now I'd like, you know, let's see what happens. You know, I no intention of going anywhere, but. I would say, I mean, were there, was there added emotion or nerves? I mean, we think, hey, you're on foreign soil, this big crowd. I mean, that's the pressure. But you were dealing with a whole different set of things than what we were looking at. Nope, fighting's the same. I've said it in you know, all my interviews. It's in a King Supers parking lot or in one of the biggest arenas in the world. It's a fight. It's all the same. It doesn't matter where it's at. It doesn't matter just watching. It's all the same. So being that this was your first UFC finish, how high does this rank in comparison to your other wins? I think I said I was saying earlier, I've never really been never been happy and you know, I get down with these fights and I'm grumpy and sometimes, you know. Sorry about that. I so I'm happy right now. It feels good. I'm gonna enjoy this whole thing. Climbed up on the octagon, it wasn't a crazy finish, it wasn't out of nowhere, but I just made sure to get up there. So I really wanted to enjoy the moment. John is a pretty intense guy. He's obviously got a lot of power, as I'm sure you've, you've seen and experienced. Uh, how did you go about preparing for that power, and how did the fight correspond to your expectations? Um, kind of like I mentioned in the cage. So I wasn't supposed to fight until October the uh, October 6th card. That's gonna be my middleweight debut, and I got the opportunity to take this fight. And so, you know, I'm coming down from 205, so this is gonna be my first. Um, this is my first fight at middleweight, and so I really, I didn't have time to make a game plan for myself. I handed it over to Jason. Jason, come over here real quick. My strength and conditioning coach, you can slide over here. Nobody wants to see me. So I put all my trust in him and my head coach Shire, and I, they put the program together, and I just I did what I was told, and it fucking sucks a lot of times. But they prepared everything. They put the game plan together, everything. You know, strength, conditioning, diet, work with Lockhart, uh, the training, the dealing with Adams, uh, you know, size and strength and speed and his techniques and so it's just kind of a blur. I just did. I did what I was told. Here we are. So ideally, what comes next? I mean, I guess you're a free agent at this point. But if in a perfect world, a perfect scenario, you know, do you get a, a UFC deal done quick? Do you fight again soon? What's what's the perfect scenario for you? Uh, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I got to talk with whoever I need to talk to and get this figured out. Go from there. It's all. I mean, I don't know. So I've never been in this position before. So I'm gonna do it. With a big smile on my face. I'm gonna enjoy it all. So. Yeah, but if you resign, is there anyone in particular you're interested in facing? Because I mean, the middleweight division is hotter than ever. Who do I want to fight in middleweight? There's a lot of guys. Want to start? Uh, you know, I was a top 15 guy. A lot of heavyweight wants coming down. I don't know what this win would do for me in the rankings. Um, or slide me in. But you know, first things. I start working towards, and I might fight a light heavyweight. I can fight a heavyweight too. I'm still a little chubby. You might even see me a welterweight. I just don't know. I'm just gonna, like I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out. But uh, wherever I'm at, I want a, a nice ranked opponent, someone who's supposed to beat me, and I want to fuck him up. So. All right, so there you have it, Jordan Johnson, an interesting character to say the least, man. I, uh, I enjoy talking to him, so it's kind of funny. He's pretty, he's pretty self-aware, I guess, was that he's been a, a little bit cranky in his last post-fight. So it's uh, kind of funny to have him lay that out there. But again, like it, betting, betting on himself and hoping it pays off. You know, I, you know, undefeated record four on the UFC definitely means something. I don't feel like he has that big signature win just yet. That's going to make him like a you know a high, high, super high-paid guy. Um, but this this got him going in the right direction. You know, this was an opponent that that uh, had some reputation, and, uh, and and he was able to win. So, big win there for him. 
Ramzan Amiyev uh, picked up a, another big win, uh, decision win. Uh, uh, former M1 middleweight champ. Now he's uh, now he's fighting at welterweight, three and zero in the UFC. The, the only problem, uh, all decisions, you know, hasn't gotten the big finishes yet, um, but certainly looks to have some talent. And he actually said afterwards, again, he's got to get a visa first. But if he can, he wants to. Uh, relocate to American top team and, and train out there and, and take advantage of those facilities and those training partners and all that. Um, so maybe someone that uh, you need to keep an eye on that could make some uh, some big adjustments with that. And the uh, and the fight, of course, started out with Marab Devalishvili picking up a uh, decision win over Tarion Ware. Um, Tarion, it turns out, got injured. I'm high on Tarion Ware. Um, despite his USC record, but I think he's got a, a lot of skills that he brings to the table. I thought he looked incredibly flat here, um, and it turns out there was a reason for that. I guess he, he pretty much injured his shoulder on the very first takedown. I guess he posted and, uh, and popped his shoulder out or something along those lines. So uh, not good. You could see the frustration in his body language, uh, but he battled through it. Uh, meanwhile, Marab Devashvili, I'm, I'm high on this guy too, man. Uh, he is, uh, he is a, a little bundle of energy, and he's dangerous. Um, and, you know, fighting under that, that Longo Serra team, he's got all the tools that he needs there to continue to improve. And that, and that, that team, uh, supports the man that, you know, the fact that, that Ray Longo and Matt Serra both flew out to Russia, you know, I mean, you know how much stuff both those guys have going on with their team, uh, and, and things outside of the sport. And for them to both take the time to travel out here, which it's, you know, it's not, not quick to get out here. I mean, at least they're on the East Coast, so it's a little bit easier. Um, but it's not quick to get out here. For them to take the time goes to show. And then you can just see it backstage, man. I mean, they, they really have love for, for Rob. And uh, it, it's cool to see that. I, I love seeing, you know, all teams, I think, stick together. But you can always see those kind of little special bonds, you know. And, and uh, I think there's a, lo a lot of them on that Longo Serra team, man. They, they, they are a close-knit bunch. But... Uh, it was cool to see how happy they were to to see Marab come in and dominate this way, and uh, and pick up the UFC win. And afterward, Marab called out Sean O'Malley. I like it. He's like, "You just keep smoking, and and I'll keep winning. <laughs> I'll keep fighting." Uh, I love that as well. So a big win there from Rob Devashvili. Uh, overall, man, it was it was a fun card, and uh, it was quick. Also, you got that fight pass pacing, and you had a lot of success for the Russians. Uh, so it was a good night. Now. Meanwhile, while all that was going on out front, there was some stuff going on backstage, some of which has become uh, fairly clicked on today, I've noticed. Uh, in, in in short, that would be Joanna Janjacek and a Russian reporter having a bit of an exchange. Now, I, I, I want to I play the whole scrum for you. I did do a full interview with Joanna earlier this week. Um, and hopefully you, you checked my interview out because I thought she was she was very, very good talking about a lot of things you know, uh, about future at 115, 125, you know, various things that are going on. So she came back and she addressed a lot of the same topics, of course, because those are the ones that are relevant. Um, basically made it clear that, you know, I, 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 in talking to her in both these interviews and then just kind of some off-record conversations, um, she's not admitting anything, but the, reading between the lines, it sounds like her and Shevchenko is basically a done deal at this point. Um when it's going to happen, I don't know. Now, again, I threw out there, hey, could it could it happen in Madison Square Garden? And she says, I mean, I, I'm down if I if I if I, if I need to, if I have to, I will. Uh, but I'd really like some more time to prepare. You know, I'd, I'd I'd like to do a proper camp and and all that. So, and that's fair. That makes sense. Which again makes you think that they do indeed already know what the main event is. I swear, I keep hearing that they want John Jones to be there, but I, I just it, it, we don't get anything from Usada. 
and I can respect it to some degree. Um, you know, they they want to get everything done before they put anything out in the out in the field, but uh, it's always frustrating. I, I wish we at least knew what was happening along the way, but we don't. Uh, okay, so with <laughs> that out of the way, back to Ioana. Um, you want to come back and, and did an interview with us. We also had Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, we had Henry Cejudo as well. Um, we had uh, Zabit Magomedsharipov, which was great. Uh, and then uh, Alexander Volkov came back as well. So it was a busy night in the back in addition to all the winners. So check all that out on MMA Junkie as well. Um, but I'm going to play the whole scrum for you because uh, Joanna had some great things to say. And she talked about a career a little bit. Um, but, of course, you, you got to hear this exchange between her and this poor Russian reporter who... It's probably worth checking out the video too at some point because I, I think the audio is going to be uh, good enough for you to get an understanding of what was going on. But w when you see the visuals as well, I, I think it really adds something. Papaha, where is my papaha? Oh, Kelvin Gastelum stole my papaha. So let, let him bring my papaha. Does that mean that you're going to be for that? I, I'm 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 50-50. I'm big fan of Connor and I'm big fan of uh, Khabib. Khabib two different styles. Uh, as you saw, I never predict the fights. I don't like to predict the fights. People can do that. They can predict my fights, but I never do that. But uh, anything and everything can happen in the fight. So this is definitely the fight of uh, of uh, of what like a century yeah. in MMA. So I cannot wait to to watch two real great warriors fighting uh, each other so i'm 50 50. two different styles like i said and anything can happen anyone is supporting here tonight uh, i i i want to support my uh, friends uh, from att arlovski olenik and and uh, tiago alves and uh, two guys from uh, poland i'm very close with jan blachowicz we used to compete together in muay thai back in the day so i'm very happy to be here in moscow uh, statistics on my social media shows that I have so many uh, fans in Russia, and I could feel the I could feel that today. I saw that today at the uh, meet and greet with my fans at the fan village. Uh, it's great. It's a great spot to be. Uh, I'm looking forward, and I believe that UFC will be back to Russia, to Moscow, maybe Saint Petersburg next. That that would be great. So talking about Russian fighters, obviously talks about you fighting Mateusz Shevchenko. He already said that you would want to do this. Yeah, this fight, this fight is not on. So uh, of course I've got an offer, but uh, we'll see. I've, I'm very open to fight Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, I always want to fight the best fighters, and I think that definitely she is one of the uh, top uh, female fighters in the world, the multiple world Muay Thai champion, uh, very successful in MMA. So we'll see what's going to happen. What do you feel about the decision about taking her belt away? Do you think it was fair? Uh, I think it was fair, man. I paid the ultimate price for my... Uh, I paid the ultimate price, but I, I was on weight in uh, November 2017. And I would do this the same, because for me it's a shame for... As a fighter, athlete and champion to not be on weight. So, man, we need real and dedicated fighters and champions in the UFC. It's simply the best organizations in the world. And here is not, not a, a, a space and time for, for bullshit like this. So uh, it was very hard decision, very tough decision. And I believe that she's not happy, but man, you must 
take this job very serious and you must be 100% in. And weight cuts are not easy, are not nice, but it's part of our job, so we shouldn't complain and, and just be on weight when, when you have to be. It's not mine. This fight is going to happen. Ross, uh, I, I, I bet that Jessica Andrade is, is the next challenger for the uh, title in 115 division. And great performance last week. And she's the next one in line. I don't know. Like I said, it's 50-50. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. But uh, we saw that Andrade. Uh, it's a gifted fighter with the power, so she's very powerful. But people don't know how to fight her. If Rose will uh, do her homework, and, and if she watches my fight with Jessica Andreas, she can be successful in this fight. But Andreas is a very dangerous fighter. You must uh, have a good, good game plan for the fight with uh, Jessica. Again, it's her. Obviously, you and Karolina Kovalkiewicz have some history together, but she was obviously very sad and noticeably sad afterwards. Do you have any message for her? Oh, just keep your head up. It's it's tough business. It's tough business. I've been in this business for 15 years. We win, we learn, and uh, that's it. We keep on going, and uh, you can see the value and the strength of the fighter after after the, after they take a losses. Yeah. We still don't have a main event for Madison Square Garden. Could you be ready, or is that? I mean, Why not? I can be ready soon. But honestly, it's been like seven, eight weeks after my last fight with Tisha Torres. I've been very busy. I I hit so many projects, like I told you before. Uh, so I wanna I wanna prepare good for my next fight. But hey, man, if they call me, I could step even today if someone uh, didn't make weight. But. Um, I want to prepare good for my next fight. We will see when it's going to happen. Keeping in mind your uh, previous experience with Volkina Shevchenko in Muay Thai, would you be concerned fighting her because you already had three fights? Concerned? About yeah. what? How many fights did you have with her? Did you watch my fight with her? Yeah, I did. You did? And what do you think? Which one? First one, second all, or third all, one? All, all, all of them? And what do you think? She won them. <laughs> she won them? Okay, no, that's cool. That was the decision, right? Yeah. But the last two fights were very close, so... Yeah, but... But, uh, man, it's been, it, it was like 10 years ago, we are different fighters, uh, we're not gonna be, meet in the ring, we're gonna meet in the octagon, so that's the point. So it's a different game? Of course it's a different game, we, we're different people oh, right now, yeah. we're different athletes right now, we are different fighters. So, there is nothing I must be concerned about. Should I? Are you? I'm, I'm not fighting. <laughs> are you concerned or not? I'm neutral. Oh, that's nice, that's good to hear. Is it possible that switching camps affect your performance? No, I'm very happy with American Top Team. I think it was one of the greatest decisions in my fighting career. So I'm very happy with my coaches, with Mikey Brown, Katel Kubis, and you know, uh, there are great, great people. Not only great coaches, but great people. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Anna. Yeah. Thanks. Few questions. Yeah. A few more questions. Uh, first of all, about your impression and emotion about Moscow. I like this city. I was to Moscow 2013. It's a very beautiful city. People are very nice, so I'm very happy to be here. Um, very interesting. Okay. And uh, about the Russian man's. Do you have the husband? Russian man's? Yeah. Is my husband Russian? No. I just your opinion about Russian men's. Okay, because we know that the Russian women say that one of the most beautiful women on the planet, and uh, I asked you just about Russian men's, about Russian athletes. You know about the Russian famous men's. 
I see them all the time, even here. So they are cool, like every, like every other fighters. I don't know. Okay, it's more interesting before. And uh, they have their favorite Russian fighter. Which one do you like more than than other? I like a bunch of them, you know, Marvin Beck just won, I like him so much. Uh, we've been training together for a little bit back in the day because he came came down to Olsztyn when I was uh, training back home. But, you know, so many great athletes uh, from Russia. I know so many from uh, Muay Thai uh, uh, competition. They are great athletes, very, very tough and uh, very strong characters and very strong, not only physically, but mentally as well. Okay, and the last question about the main event of this autumn, about the Habib against Conor. Yep. Just your opinion about it. Uh, I, I think definitely it's the fight of, uh, of, the, of, of this century. Uh, anything can happen, you know, two different styles. Uh, I like both of the fighters and I don't like to predict the fight, so you are not going to hear the prediction from me. Okay, if you have about the behavior, about the... Uh, what do you want to insult Conor McGregor here? You want to insult him? Yeah. Okay. You want to insult him? Come, 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 come here. Come here. What's your name? Dima. Dima. Insult uh, Conor McGregor in the front of the camera. Uh, what do you think about him? Um. Come on. Be honest. Uh, yeah, he's a good fighter, but not more. He can speak more than other, but uh, I think that's the. Okay. <laughs> Wasn't he a champion in two different weight classes? Is he only talking or he's doing stuff? No, he's doing not. So why are you saying that he's talking more than doing somehow? But he's the part of his success because... Of course he is. Yeah, sure. But <laughs> we have uh, a lot are of Are you working for big, for big media or small media? Uh, What's your dream? Middle. What's your goal in your, in your life? To, to, to be best uh, in my... To be the best? Yeah. Okay. In my... Uh, you really trying hard? Profession? Ah? You really trying hard? Uh, not sure. Because it's enough for me, uh, my oh, position right now. Enough? Oh, that's yeah. nice. So all the best to you. Yeah, sure. But uh, okay, which one will support in in against? I told uh, you, I support both of them. They both are my colleagues, so no prediction for this fight. Great. You are Russian and you want to insult Conor McGregor here. You shouldn't do that. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank Guys, you so last much. Qu last question. Thank you. So it was example of stupid question. So thank you so much, guys. All right. So there it is in its entire glory. So here's here's a couple things that. Uh, first of all, let me just tell you from my point of view. When the guy started asking questions, I was gonna turn the camera off. Um, but I don't know. I I didn't. I just decided to keep rolling because. You never know, right? You never know what you're going to get. You got to keep rolling. Uh, so I'm so glad that I didn't turn my camera off and walk away because it ended up being uh, kind of fun to watch. But um, here's the thing, and, and I've seen mostly what I've seen uh, is support of Ioana for like, hey, look, this guy's trying to instigate, and, and this is what MMA reporters do. And it is true to a point. I mean, listen, we want those sound bites. We want those quotes. I try not to be too much of an instigator about it. I mean, I... <laughs> I don't like manufacturing something like that in my role. Um, you know, if an athlete wants to, to use me as a platform to, to, to get his message out and it happens to be one that uh, fires people up, then by all means, I'm right here for you. Um, but I don't like to, to poke and prod or whatever and, and, and just try to make it happen. And maybe that's to my own detriment. You know, maybe maybe uh, I should do more of that. But I just that's not my comfort level and who I am. 
Um, so I've seen a lot of support for Joanna and saying, you know, good for you. You know, this guy was just trying to get you to talk trash and you didn't want to. And that's everywhere. But, and I've seen some criticism of her saying, ah, look at, you know, why is she being rude to this guy? You know, English isn't his first language, which let's not forget English isn't Joanna's first language either. Um, but here was the thing. I think when you listen to it in full, you get, you get a sense of it more than if you just watch the clip that, that, that that's making the most rounds, which is about the, the, the Connor stuff. And, um, listen, that's the reality of, of where we live in, you know, online, we want short, quick, fast, you know, instant content. But if you hear it in, in full, I think you hear a, she was done. Like her media allegation was done. She stood in front of us all. She answered questions. Um, and she was done. And then this reporter is like, no, 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 wait, 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 just a couple more questions, a couple more questions. And it starts with just, you know, how do you like Moscow? Okay, whatever. And then how, what do you think about Russian men? I mean, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? What What kind of question is that? You know what I mean? Like, uh, it seems bizarre, right? Okay. Um, and, and so I think you could see that she was already on edge at that point. And then you have to remember that. So the the final question is that he asks about uh, her thoughts on on Connor and Habib, which is understandable. Except that she had literally just answered the question a few minutes earlier. You just weren't standing there. You know what I mean? And you pulled her back to do something that she was already done doing and asked her a question that she already answered. And and and, and so that's why I think uh, you know I, I don't think Yuana deserves any of the criticism she's got. It's been small. But I don't think it deserves, you know, d- deserves the criticism that she's necessarily received from it. <laughs> I'll be honest, like I wasn't sure if we should put the clip out, but I don't know. I thought it was it was pretty entertaining. And listen, I mean, I'm sure I've done some dumb stuff, and uh, I I don't mind if I if I did it. And, and and I think that's the other part that made me willing to put it out. Like, had the reporter not, and this is what you can't hear in audio, but had the reporter not come out in front of the camera, which is what Yuana asked him to do then I think I probably wouldn't have used it. But, hey, man, I mean, if you're if you're jumping in the center stage and you're coming on camera, like, to me at that point, like, you're saying, okay, well, I'm okay being part of this. You know, if you say, nah, nah I don't want any part of that, you know what I mean, then I, I don't know if we use it as much. But, um, you know, you come out there and you want to be part of the show, then I guess you're going to be part of the show. So uh, it, it was an interesting moment from the, from the night, to, to say the least. I think it definitely ended up being our top uh, traffic post uh, online at, at MMA Junkie. So uh, interesting. But the news part of that, of course, is that it, it does sound like to me everything that I hear that uh, you know this fight with Valentina is going to happen. It's just a matter of when it happens. So we'll see. Uh, another guest fighter that was back there was Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo, I will say as well, it also sounds to me like – the Dillashaw thing is just about a given at this point. Um, the way he's talking about it, the way he's um, discussing it, it sounds like it's pretty much a – well, I wouldn't say a done deal, but it sounds like that's the direction that everybody believes is the right direction to go right now. I do find it interesting that he he says he'll take it at either weight class. I can respect him for that um, because, honestly – if anybody gets a chance to be a two-division champion, it, it should probably be TJ Dillashaw, right? I mean, A, he was the one that was willing to fight Mighty Mouse before, so he was willing to come down before. It's not like he's just cherry-picking somebody now that he's like, oh, well, now that Mighty Mouse is gone, I think I could beat Henry Cejudo. 
no, that's not it. You know, he wanted that. He wanted the, to come to 25 all along, and now he's saying he'll still do it. And he, you know, granted, it's it's not a lot more, but he he has accomplished more in the in his division than Cejudo done is done at flyweight. Um, so I think that you know, for Cejudo to come up without even defending his belt, especially on a fight that's so close, and try for a shot at a two division champ, I, I don't know that that makes sense. So I think I like the idea better of TJ coming down. Um, although I, I do like the concept, and I kind of floated it out there, of well, hey, look, if I beat TJ at uh, at uh, at 25, then I get to go try to beat him again at 35, and and be a two division title holder. I kind of like that concept. Um, of course, a lot of that would depend on on uh, what Mighty Mouse's schedule is on, on coming back. But uh, so th- there's that, and I want you to hear that. But also uh, this interesting little nugget. <laughs> Uh, that we heard earlier in the week that uh, Cejudo's belt is gone. Uh, somehow, during his travels to Russia, his uh, luggage was lost, and in that luggage was his UFC belt. Now, interesting regardless, but now you think about this is the same man whose Olympic gold medal was destroyed in a fire. So now he has neither his Olympic gold medal nor... His UFC championship belt. Now, the gold medal ain't coming back. It was destroyed in the fire. The UFC championship belt. They're hoping to to recover it. Um, you know, you know, lost bags happen, and sometimes lost bags are found. So we'll see. But uh, I want you to hear from Henry Cejudo as well. Henry, what, what uh, give us an idea what life is like, man? Champ life, walking around the last month. What's what's it been like for oh, you? Oh man, I can. I don't. I never want to lose again. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's been good, especially thus far here in Russia. You know, the, the people respect fighting, wrestling so much. And uh, they, I mean, I was staying at the, at the Hyatt, and it's a five-star resort. And they even upped it. I think it might be like a six-star. I'm staying at the lot, and uh, it's just crazy, man. I'm being pampered. I have my own driver. Uh, these people, they know they're fighting, and it's just... It's amazing, man. The, the amount of support that I get for both being a being a being a wrestler and being a fighter, and I, I feel appreciated here in Russia. Have you had a time to really step back and reflect on what you accomplished? I mean, I know you kind of knew that night, but now that you've had a little time to sit back, I mean, a beating Demetrius Johnson, b you know adding that to your Olympic credentials and what that means. I mean, uh-huh. it, 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 have you had a chance to really consider it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just it, it's it cements me in, in legacy in the, in, in the history books right away. Like, there's no. Uh, like the, and people will forever remember Henry Cejudo, you know, and that was that was the initial statement by not just uh, by beating Demetrius Johnson. It was it wasn't just beating the pound the pound for pound great, but it was it was cementing my legacy for forever in history in the history books. Uh, pri- uh, you know, put MMA aside in sports, you know, a, a two sport world champion is you, you won't see that in a while, and I'm just happy I'm the first one. Nice. We're hearing a lot of talk about what's next. I mean, we, that we everybody wants to know. A lot, lot, of, lot of TJ Dillashaw name being thrown out there. Give us, give us the update. Break, break some news. What's happening? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I believe he wants to fight me from what he's, uh, you know, has, has said uh, from what he has said to the media. Uh, I want to fight him. The UFC wants to fight. Now it's just time to negotiate and to, uh, to see what weight class we're going to do it at. Like I, I gave them the option, either 25 or 35. It doesn't, it doesn't matter for me. I want to super fight. I'll, at 25, I'll knock him out. So if he wants to come down, you're gonna get knocked out at 125 pounds. 35, 35. I'm taking a little risk, but 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 I but I but I, I still believe I could beat him. You know, 25. He's gonna 
is going to be depleted, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna take advantage of that. One could make the argument that uh, DJ deserves an immediate rematch on account of what what he's accomplished in the UFC. What do you think? I mean, who do you think is most deserving to face him? Man, but this is uh, absolutely does does Demetrius Johnson deserves the rematch. Uh, uh, when it comes to what he's done, absolutely. But I, I know Demetrius is also hurt. He's still recovered from his injuries. If I don't fight TJ, I want DJ next. But the, the reason why I want to fight TJ was just because it's a super fight. Because I'm saying I'll go up or you come down, but we can fight. It's not about a, a year of, of talking, a year and a half of talking that such and such is going to happen. I'm saying let's let's score down now. I, I, I felt like they had overlooked me with Demetrius Johnson uh, uh, in my fight against Demetrius. And they're always trying to get the super fight with TJ and, and DJ. And I'm just like, you know what? I won. Give me the fight. I, I feel like it's deserving. Demetrius Johnson can heal up and, and and I'll fight him next. If you if you know if he did come down to 25 and you beat him, <clears throat> would you expect him to let you fight him at 35 then at that point? Because I mean, the, the idea of being a champ champ, right? The, the two division champion, that's got to be appealing. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Like I said, I'm, I preferably I prefer to go up. I want to go up. That that's mine. I think that's even the UFC's plan. Um, but. You know, at the end of the day, I have to respect what 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 TJ has done, and obviously everybody wants to fight him, including me, and he wants to fight me. I just, it to me, it really doesn't matter. It just doesn't. I just want to fight this guy. I, I can, I can beat him at 25 or 35. When do you want to see it happen? Do you have a you have a timeline yet that makes sense for you? Yeah, sometime in December, sometime maybe the end of the year if possible, or uh, Canada, or January, February. Um, I, I think sometime towards 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 like those those dates. Rumor has it that oh, rumor has it that uh, your belt was lost uh, in the <laughs> luggage. It is man, flying first class priority. It was uh, it was you know my luggage is lost at this point, but luckily the UFC took me shopping, shop uh, they took me on a shopping spree and I bought all kinds of clothes. But unfortunately my belt is in my luggage, so now on top of my gold medal now is my belt. I don't know what it is about gold. I can't just I, I can't keep it, you know. But. Uh, but we're gonna find it. They're looking for the bags now. <laughs> so you gotta feel a little bit cursed, right? I mean, come on. Um, not really, actually. Kind of, you know, it, it lets me know that material comes and goes. It's, it's the memories, it's the legacy that that comes with being a champion. And I'll always get. I'm gonna get a gold medal back. I'm gonna get a belt back. But it's, it's, it's the memories that come with that. That, you know, that 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 makes it special. And I want to ask you one thing outside of your career. Habib Nurmagomedov got a huge fight coming up with Conor McGregor. I wonder, I mean, the wrestling credentials that you have, the knowledge you have, when you watch him fight, what is it that makes him special? What is it about Habib that has led him to be so effective? I think, it's, I think I don't even think it's something physical. I think it's something internal that drives the physical. I think his, his determination, his background, where he's from, if you guys go where, where he's from, these guys are... It's, it's it's literally survival, and he brings that into the cage. Like he brings him, his country, and his culture into the cage. I think that's what makes him dangerous. And I think the biggest deal, if he can if, if he can get bypass Conor McGregor's distance and range, he's gonna it's gonna be a five round uh, you know punishing uh, punishing fight. It's gonna be a grind for for Conor. How would you coach him? What, what what advice if you were giving Habib one piece of advice on how to win this fight? What would it be? I tell him composure, composure. I I, I would I would stay calm. I would uh, I, I would find the right timing just like Connor would and uh, you know to eventually get to his laser you know put him on his back put him against the cage and, and grind him out but it, it, it's a tough fight for him people people uh, people are, are under, uh, underestimating Connor too Connor McGregor's a, he's a master at range and uh, if, you, if you can get past that range you're good but if you can't 
you know, good night, buenas noches. A lot of people feel that uh, <coughs> flyweight division has really opened up now, now that you dethroned Mighty Mouse. Uh, who are some of the up-and-coming flyweights that you got your eye on as potential future challengers? Oh man, well you have, uh, you ha have a, you know, fight Dimitris again, uh, do, do a rematch with Joseph Benavides is also on my mind. Uh, I know that, that Brazilian uh, Figueroa, I know he's on there. He's he's been killing people. I think those to me those those are those are the three guys that I'm kind of I got my eyes on. But the first one in line, if I, if I fight at 25, is to beat Demetrius Johnson, and the rest can go from there. I'm not dodging Demetrius Johnson by any means. I want a super fight. I want I want to make money, guys. I wanna I want to challenge myself, and and, and, I, and I want it to be lucrative. I, I I deserve it, man. I've you know a two sport world champ, 10 years in the making, and. Uh, I think that has a lot of juice too. Maybe I haven't defended him about 11 or 12 times, but God, man, what I've done is nobody has done. Give me some credit a little bit. Let, 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 let me take this fight with no problems. Last question for Henry. Henry, uh, what's your prediction on Khabib versus Khabib? What's my what? Prediction. My prediction with Conor McGregor versus uh, versus Khabib is, um, you know, I'm rooting. I like them both, man. So it's kind of hard for me to, because the problem is when you. When you're a fighter, you tell somebody who's gonna win. It, it uh, you almost become like not their friends no more. But I can tell you, the person that's gonna win that fight is the person that isolates the game plan. Khabib is gonna have to close the range. Conor McGregor is gonna have to find his range and, and use his hands to knock him out early. All right, so there you go. A little update from Henry Cejudo as well. Like I said, it sounds like all 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 signs are pointing to that Dillashaw fight, and hopefully all signs point to him getting his getting his actual belt back. Crazy, crazy times. All right, listen. Um, yeah, I'm gonna wrap it up. I'm gonna go. Uh, maybe get some dinner, a couple cocktails, and then uh, I've got to leave here at 3 a.m. to fly home. Uh, see my wife and kid for a little bit, and then I am actually on to uh, Boise this week uh, for Bellator up there in Idaho. Our man Cole Coffee is going to be heading out to the. Uh, Habib and uh, Conor McGregor press conference, which is going to be wild, right? You guys saw there's no fans in there. It's just media only. Um, so I think it's going to be kind of a weird, weird vibe in there. I'm kind of anxious to see how it plays out. I mean, uh, I love those New York press conferences because the fans, they scream and holler and yell. And uh, I don't know, it makes it fun. It gives it a real wild atmosphere. I mean, there's no reason for the media to clap. There's no reason for the media to make noise uh so that's gonna be kind of weird with a just kind of a quiet background to 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 you know this this build up uh but yeah cold coffee's gonna be making that ride out there uh give him all the love in the world because he's actually flying out there going to the press conference uh and then gonna camp out the airport and take the first flight out in the morning as well so uh he's got a, a like a like a 20 hour stretch from vegas to new york so Listen to the man, you know, he's doing what he does, so give him a little bit of love. Uh, I will say, Russia, if you ever get a chance to go, go. Uh, I enjoyed it. I don't know if I would enjoy it during the wintertime, uh, but it was fun. The traffic sucks, uh, but uh, it's, there's some amazing history here, some amazing architecture here. Uh, Red Square was uh, super powerful, man. I, I don't know. I loved it. We were going to try to shoot some video there. Um, and ended up just me overruling it, saying, "Nah, man, we're not we're not going to shoot it. Like this is this is too cool of a place for us to be jumping up in here talking about mixed martial arts and stuff. It it was it was too cool stuff. So um, that video will be coming out later this week. 
we did end up shooting something. It was kind of fun. So hopefully you guys will dig that. Uh, the other thing is the the, uh, <laughs> the 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 it's the Russian attitude is cool, man. It's uh we we were leaving the weigh-ins the other day, and we were coming out of a ballroom, and I, they were unbeknownst to me on the other side of the door they were having the fighter meetings, and so I guess security said, listen, just do us a favor. Anybody that tries to come out, like hold them here for a little bit, and uh, once we get done with the fighter meeting, cool, you know, we'll let them all out. Well. I get to the door, I've got all my gear, and I just want to go move so I can go get all the pictures filed, the video filed, and all that. And uh, the the security guard literally, like, as, uh, I see him standing there, but he's not really blocking the door. He's just kind of in front of the door. Um, so I start to reach around him to grab the door, and he slides over, kind of puts himself in between me and the door, and I kind of step back a little bit. I was like, the, what is this about? Like, what's this dude blocking me from leaving for? And uh, he just looks at me and says, you should wait. You should wait. I don't. I don't want to wait. I. I don't want. He didn't say. Uh, you can't go there. He didn't. He didn't say. Hey, bro. Uh, man, just hang on one second. We got one thing going on. Now I know that part of it's a language barrier, but but the other thing I thought was just gangster, man. He didn't. He didn't say like don't or hey, do you mind? He was like he kind of like gave me a suggestion. That's a gangster move. When you don't tell somebody what to do, you give them a suggestion what they ought to do. You should wait. That's pretty gangster. <laughs> I loved it out here, though, man. I had a good time. Uh, hopefully, we get to come back. Uh, I do appreciate USA Day uh, and MMA Junkie for uh, for allowing us to come cover this uh, debut event. You know, we've cut back on travel a little bit this year uh, for for budgetary concerns, but uh, to be able to cover the the first one, uh, I thought was pretty cool. And hopefully, you guys all enjoyed the coverage that we had all week long. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again next week from Boise, Boise. Got to remind myself, I learned last time. In the meantime, thanks for listening.